Welcome to the Less Spelling Podcast, where we redefine how athletes develop speed by giving them the tools to play faster. Let's get started. We'll just have, this will just be like more of a conversation. I mean, we've been friends for a while and just, you don't really need much of an introduction other than the fact that you had the fastest team in college football and you guys are playing in the national championship. And you guys were unranked this year, right? Yeah. So uh, they actually, beginning of the- yeah, they had us finishing seventh in uh, the Big 12. And some people had us finishing dead last in the Big 12, too. Seventh in the Big 12? That's so disrespectful. Right. Right. Uh, and the, oh it's God. funny because, like, you know, these guys actually like, took that shit real personal. Um, this yeah. team, like, has been the laughing stock of, you know, uh, really Texas and uh, the Big 12 for a minute. And then, so these guys, this whole year, just been talking about, you know, one game at a time and then just getting everything back that, like, everyone dished out to them in the past. Yeah. Yeah, so don't lie and don't say just nutrition. Yeah. What, 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 what changed? Because you, everybody told us it was just nutrition and we're like, okay. No matter yeah, who, obvi- Obviously, it's nutrition, but what is Yeah, it? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you guys met Kaz Kazadi. Uh, he's a secret weapon that yeah, he's a secret weapon that people don't really like understand. Um, the way he gets guys to compete and buy in is big things. It's like you can tell someone to do something, but words don't mean anything. Words don't lead to behavior change, right? But investing time and making them buy in and believe in not only themselves but in the coaching staff of what we're doing is monumental. Um, and then really like. I think another one is like just caring about these kids as genuine human human beings, right? Not even worrying about what they can do for me as an athlete. Um, but for me, it's always like I always get guys to buy in and, and really pick up what we want them to do faster if I show them how much I care for them as a human being. And this sounds, I mean, I'm not trying to like toot our own horn and say like we do anything more than other places, but it's, it's something as simple as like if a guy needs shoes, I'll give him my shoes I'm wearing. Or like if, if he needs a shirt, I'll give him my shirt or my hoodie. You know what I mean? If he get, So he doesn't get yeah. jammed up or anything like that. And by doing simple acts like that, just shows them that like, okay, hey, this guy cares for me. And I'm just not some just athlete just out here playing so he makes more money. You know? No, facts. Yeah. Makes a ton of And then like just always looking after them, making sure they're taken care of, whether that's like with their family. So, you know, some of these guys have some some kids, you know, they're athletes, but they have like real world stuff going on. So not only they have our stress, but then they have like school they have family back home. They might have kids here. And it's just making sure that you stay on top of them and make sure they're taken care of for that. And then that allows them to buy in. Like, okay, these guys are really looking out for my best interest here. Yeah, makes sense. So what what's your role? Like, what where do you fit in? So here, obviously, I work with uh, everything we do on the field. Um, it's a full collaboration effort, but really... I kind of oversee everything and just make sure volume calculations and and, uh, drills are correct and like how we want to segment them and when do you want to implement them and when we should pull back or push. A lot of that has to do with GPS, which we run here. Uh, And then on top of that, any any technologies we do here, um, I'm pretty much run. So we have Oxfit, we have Nordboards, uh, anything involved we have. Um, And then we're getting Strive here. So we'll be working with that. And then I'll return to play as well. And obviously the 1080s, which are pretty fun. Yeah. So how do you, how do you get guys faster? Like what does the in-season system look like? 
So the end, end season uh, is really we try to go two to three times a week of speed training. Um, the hardest part is finding time. As you know, um, you work with collegiate teams, um, but really using the GPS for our vets and, and high rep guys has been a big advantage for us. So guys that have high reps, we try to find it naturally within practice. So we set up practices so we have a more change direction, explosive distance day and more of a linear day. On the linear days, we want guys to touch something. So we track live. If they haven't touched over 87% of their max speed, we try to pull them aside during practice to find a time where it mimics almost a special teams rep or a deep route. And they actually have to open up a little bit. The second one for them would be game day. And we're kind of banking on they're going to hit something fast on game day. It doesn't always happen, but more than not, they'll hit something fast on game day. Uh, the Devo guys will go three times a week. Sunday is one. Um, we'll hit, we'll come in, we'll start with a speed session, and they'll get inside and lift. They'll hit one midweek, and then they get one on Thursday during our walkthrough day. And that's the one where everyone's seen these videos go out is where we, we plug them in. It just fits, it falls in perfect because the veteran meetings and their position meetings, well, these guys aren't going to play. So what we get to do with them is train them and why not train speed? It's something they not, may not get throughout the week, but they can get ahead and set themselves up to be better going into winter and have a better shot of getting on an active roster and also keeps them prepared. So if they need, because these guys are probably going to make special teams, right? And they'll be picked up for special teams and make sure they're prepared for special teams. And then... But another part about buying in with this is like our guys, we've sold it to them not only just maintaining speed, but staying healthy. So this year, I think like, we've had uh, zero soft tissue injuries where guys have missed time. And that's huge. Yeah, it's massive, right? And, you know, playing 15 games a season, that's hard to say where you haven't had a single soft tissue from any running or anything like that. For sure. Yeah. So I heard you say that you guys are gauging like 87%. Um, why, why aren't you going 90 or how are you gauging the metrics on on what you guys are tracking with GPS and how you guys are using that to kind of change the program in season? Yeah, the 90%, uh, it would be really nice to get guys there. But for me, I look at more so uh, availability and then just risk to reward. I think we get 87%. It's pretty close to that 90 mark. You know, and if, if we're looking towards 87, most guys will pretty get pretty close to 90. But then at that same time, it might not burn them for the next practice because they have to go run again because I never know what each practice might entail for them because I don't see the plays are running and we never know whether we have a breakout play. So if I ask a guy to go ahead and hit like 90 on a day and he runs 100, that next day he smoked, it could put him in a position to tweak. But I think... For, and this is just my opinion, if I keep it a little bit lower and he's still running fast, that next day still gives him a little bit of a buffer to work in case there is a breakout play where he just takes off. Yeah, so are, are your guys actually getting faster in season? The vets, I would say, have maintained. We have actually had a bunch of guys PR in-game. Obviously, you guys know like when you guys test, the best way to PR is to have someone chasing you. You chase someone down. Um, yeah. I think Quentin Johnson hit a PR in the game. Um, a bunch of defensive players have hit PRs in games. Um, Darius Davis uh, against SMU ran 23. Um, so that was his PR. And it's just Max Duggan hit uh, 22 against OU on his long run. So that was a PR. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, and that's really where you see a lot of PR. We see some in off season and guys are flying in off season, but really that fight or flight when it kicks in, that's when you're going to see the most speed out of anyone here. Yeah. Who's, yeah. who's the fastest on the team? Oh, Darius Davis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to race him after season, but like, he's getting pushed back. Cal, you're going to lose. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> you, can, you can't even beat me. All right, Bell, I know. We, uh, we ran the, he's warming up, and I ran X the other day, and he just took off. And oh, man. I told him I was right there, but what do you, he just, he's like, no. <laughs> what What does he hit? He is 24. Yeah, uh, the fast he hit was a 23.47. I think he hit a 24 if we really pushed it. Um, yeah. He had a broken hand, but that didn't stop us from training because he's he's big and he knows his speed is like um, his biggest weapon. So we took him out and he was just messing around. We did um, uh, in and outs and he ran a 22A on just in and outs on just on that crossfield. So we went, we went uh, hard, easy, hard, and we did easy hard easy just that from the hash to hash to the cross field and he'd hit using flying damn and and how many guys do you have hit 22 in game like five three yeah uh stats sports put that put out a metric and i think it was like in game regular maybe one yeah like average one a game um but there are times where there are a couple times we've hit uh, two or three, which is very surprising to me. Yeah, that's wild. Right? I mean, in pads, we are moving. That's wild. You, it, you think that comes from your guys' preparation? Like, I know you guys do like a Fast Friday. What does that look like? And, and how does that help? Yeah, so Fast Friday, uh, we talked about setting up practices. So, I mean, uh, everyone does this now, but I mean, you guys know Griff, and um, it's something. Uh, I kind of took from them too, but it's basically a, a normal practice, just in helmets, and then you condense everything down, but it's still full speed. So you have that, you have a down day the day before with a walkthrough. You come back, and it's basically just a primary system, almost like a track meet. So you get a couple good bursts in, just feel good going into that Saturday game. That way, you're not so lethargic, you have to pull yourself out. Um, but what people don't really see, uh, I know, I, got, I actually saw part of, Kurt Hester doing it at Tulane at the uh, Cotton Bowl. They've shown part of it. So he does a primer um, before the game. And we actually do a primer too. People don't see it because we kind of do it super early. Like when, right when the team shows up, we hit the field. We do part of our stretch there just to flush about, um, just dynamic stuff. And then the speedsters, I take to the side. And then uh, we do the Altus rudiment. We do part of your A series. We get dribbles in, we get buildups in. And then from there, it breaks off to you specific detail for what gets each sprinter right. Whether that's if they need to like do different types of change direction to a sprint, or if it's they need to just do more takeoffs to get themselves feeling right. Um, is I found it's a pretty fine line because some guys start getting real juiced. So once I see them start getting pretty juiced, I kind of say, hey, you guys are good because we're still warming up. And you guys still have all pregame and then everything else. But it's just to get them a good sweat and get that CNS going. How many hours before pregame is that? Uh, two to three. Okay. Like probably probably two. So we're, that's crazy. Yeah, right when they get there, it's just because like you got to think like most of these games got to sit around in the hotel all day, right? right? Or they're sitting on a long bus ride, whatever it is, and they've just been not doing anything, just sitting in a in a position meeting, doing a walkthrough. 
So fight or flight, you're not really ready to to fight yet. So really, I took I wanted to look at uh, uh, was it Rex and Gracie? His book Breathe. He's kind of, I, I don't know if you read that book, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. I need to read that one. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about it in there, and I kind of stole a bunch of stuff from there. Um, and basically, he's talking about he likes to get in there early and get a huge lather, right? Um, and just get full sweat, full lather. What? get himself going to where he feels like it's about to be fight time. Then he goes into the locker room wherever he is and he just sits and chills and waits and just lets his body calm back down. His heart rate's still a little bit high and his blood's flowing, but then his nerves and everything are relaxed. And then when he goes back out, he's already primed and ready to go. Mm. I need to read that. Yeah. I need to read that. See, have you heard of that book? No, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, we... We uh we stole some of his stuff with uh diaphragmatic breathing as well. So obviously he's the master of diaphragmatic breathing. I don't know if you guys have watched this tutorial on breathing and and, and how it goes, but we is it on YouTube? Or? Yeah, you can look it up on YouTube. There's a six minute clip. I forget he's at um he's at some tournament and he's talking to everyone there that he's teaching, and you'll see what he can do with his stomach. You can pull it all the way in to where it's almost at his spine and he can push it all the way out to where it looks abnormal. And he, he does a certain breathing technique that if you can do it correctly, it reduces your heart rate. So what we've been doing with the guys, we did it early in the summer. Uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit throughout the season, but then we've really been doing it now in the postseason a lot is going back to teaching diaphragmatic breathing. And what it does is that it can help you regulate your heart rate. So a big part of that is like, you know, a lot of people want to go chest up, right? Chest up, chest up when they breathe and everything's right here. But this is claustrophobic. If I go here, that's adding more stress. If I go, if if I'm going here, it can only go so far because of my rib cage. So now it's kind of compressed. I can't get the most. But if I use my diaphragm down here, it has so much more to expand and come back. And what that does is just helps regulate your blood pressure and your heart rate. So now if my heart rate, you know, we start off is... I don't know, like 80. And this guy's at 100 because he's ramped up. As we keep going throughout the game, his heart rate is going to keep jacking up. And at some point, his heart's going to be like, okay, hey, I need to slow down. I need to take a break. And he's going to slow. But I'm still in that position to where I can still push. And especially when you're thinking about these athletes and the type of offense and tempo you're running and what you're going against, people want to catch you off guard with tempo. Our guys got to make sure they can breathe and keep going, right? And catch them off guard. Whereas defense, you know, if there's a big player tempo and they want to trap them on the field, we can't have anyone be too tired. So if we can take those breaths and control our breathing and slow our heart rate down so we're just more relaxed, more focused, and not in a panic mode, our guys can play faster. Yeah. So how, how do you implement that? Like how, how did the training look like? Because obviously you can't just say, hey, guys, we're going to try this new thing right before the game. Like when did that, when did that start going? We, I'm stealing half. No, do it. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of the best things I've ever done. Like if you haven't done it yourself, um, go on a run and train yourself like to breathe in through your nose. It, it's, it's hard at first, but then watch your heart rate. If you have a heart rate monitor. And then at first when you untrain, your heart rate spikes. So because you're trying to catch that breath, but it's not used to it. So your heart rate spikes, but the more trained you get at it, you'll shoot your, your heart rate down faster than anything you can ever do. Uh, so the way, yeah, the way we do it, and there's different ways of training. Uh, I've read, there's a couple other guys that go on, like when they have their guys do tempo runs, they have them hold their breath as part of it. Uh, no way. So like, but then that, but then it increases your lung capacity and then they teach you how to breathe properly while trying to suck in all that air. 
And then, so just teaching your body how to react throughout that. So you don't have to think about it too much. Um, but how do we implement it? We did it in the summer. So it was one of our first team talks. We had the guys doing it in their chairs. Um, and then as the season went, you guys saw when you guys came here, we did ISOs as a group during our ISOs. That is our perfect time when we want to teach breathing because you have to breathe during ISOs. So why not to hit two birds in one stone? And while I'm doing those lunge ISOs, my squat ISOs, my push up, work on my breathing as well. Right. And then, and then there'll be other times where we just pull them aside like now, right? Um, we'll pull them aside. We'll just stop and say, all right, hey, we're taking three breaths. And we just have everyone like just do the breath and we're 10 toes down, get centered, and we're right back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. What do you guys do like day after game or like for recovery or what is, what's your guys' modality or, or um, your guys' system for recovery? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, uh, we're blessed here at TCU to have a good athletic training staff and to have um, a good administration that backs us with uh, what we're doing. Uh, so really the sky's the limit. So we're taking an NFL approach. We're trying to get as much technology in here to recover as we can. If you think about people in weight rooms and we're building a new one here, you're thinking about what people want to put in weight rooms. They want to put more rack. They want to put more exercise equipment. They want to put the best things you can for lifting. It. That's all cool. But at the same time, you're just breaking that person down. You're not helping them recover. So what we focus on is recovery. Um, that's one of the biggest things we do here. So right after the game, we get in. Obviously, cold tub, hot tubs are are big for us, right? Um, the guys love them. How often do you do cold and how often do you do hot? You know, in the in summer and camp, it's mandatory that everyone gets in the cold tub just to stop it real quick because it's not like we're going for adaptation. I think Hugh uh, just put out on his Instagram, which a lot of people should should understand, is like that inflammation you get from working out and training or sprinting or endurance running. You need that to grow. The cold tub, hot tub after after a game. That's really preference for guys. Uh, I can't tell you like. You can read all the science you want on it, but really if a kid doesn't have confidence that's working for him, then it's not going to be the best thing for him. And I know, I know you guys came around and I don't know if Coach Costing you're there, but it's like everything we do and we're looking at, if it's not building confidence for that guy on the field, then we cut it out of our program. If he's not the most confident he can be on the field, then why are we doing it? Right. It could be the best thing in the world, but if he doesn't feel confident and if the team doesn't feel confident going into it after doing it, then there's no point. Now, it's our job to make sure we sell it and make sure they understand the why, right? We always talk up to them, they understand the why, and then once they buy in, then that builds the confidence. Uh, but going back to your question, sorry, I got, I got on a tangent. Uh, after game, we do a shakeout. So we get them in, we do warm-up, Devo goes down to one side to do the speed session, the vets are another. We, we kind of use our warm-up as an assessment. They're already in the training room early in the day that it opens up and we have meals. And then we get a hands on them and start looking at them from there. The training room sends a report and we're reading through that and looking at them. And then based on that, we modify everything they do that day. So we'll have the bikes out there. But on top of the bikes, you'll have your BFR. So if you can't run, you're BFRing um, on the bike. And that's just your recovery flow. It's nothing, it's not like it's even lower. So I think it'd be like 75, 80%. And then the resistance is is low. But you're just flushing the legs. The guys are also good. What are you looking at to change that? To change the BFR? No, to change what they're going to do in that in that warm up. 
So you look at snap count, uh, obviously GPS data is going to help a lot. Um, if they're over their red line, that's something to look at. Um, if their injury history and like what they have going on, how many impacts and, and contacts they've taken, which if you don't have GPS, you can really just count snaps and then watch the game and, and see how beat up they are. Like when they're moving around, if they just look terrible, it's probably not a good day to do extra with them and their body just needs a little bit of help. Um, so the rest of the guys, if they're, if they're not biking, we're doing some cross fields with them just to shake them out and just see how they're moving. Again, it's just all assessment. That's all, that's all it is. And shake out the static from just sitting around because your body goes into that fight or flight state. So we're just shaking them out. Then we get inside early season. We'll lift them on a Sunday. We'll go probably, we have three lifts in a week. Mid season, we'll drop it to two. Late season, uh, we'll go one. What, what day... What day is that lift when you go to one? Depends on when we play, but typically okay. when we say one, we'll give them a range of days. We want to get on the Monday and keep it kind of furthest away from game day, but we'll give them some guys honestly like to lift on Thursday. So some of the linemen like to lift on Thursday. So we let them get all the way to a Thursday before it. So they still have time to recover from it, but we'll leave the days open and then they choose when they want to come in. Like, well, set hours, but then they choose when they want to come in and get that lift. Got it. What about the speed sessions? What is it kind of the same thing? Like they decide when they go or is it? Yeah. So which everybody. So the Devo speed sessions is everyone. Now it's all together with the vets who didn't get, maybe aren't the high reps, high snap guys. What we do is we build it into their, their training session. So when they come in, they'll go through a warm up, some primers, and then it's built into where they get a few runs in during that session before they, they go inside. I mean, but it works hand in hand because it, it's a primer. But again, you have to look at the good timing of it because you don't want to burn them too much for the next day for practice either. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you guys do any resisted running in that block? Not with the vets, but with the Devo, yeah. Okay. Nice. What do you guys use for that chains, 1080? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we use everything. We have everything at our disposal. So we use prowlers. We've used chains. We use the, ten, the 1080. Um, we've used uh, sleds. Uh, and bands. I think the video that went out had bands on it. Uh, yeah. And really, that one's a tough one to set up. So the simpler, the better. And I think that's why people like that video is because it's so simple. But that time frame where we're using the resistance runs, where we're filming the video, it's we have like 45 minutes to get a full session of of this in. That's including warm up, like you know, going through all the barefoot walks, everything. And then send that up and then having them hit four stations and where we're measuring them, you know, because uh, early on, we, you guys didn't see that video, but we were measuring everything we did and get through all the stations before the vets get in and start practicing with them. Mm-hmm. Got you. Got you. Okay. Uh, just all things that, I mean, obviously you got there in January with a couple of other guys and uh, last January. So is this all stuff that came about in this time or is this stuff that was already in place and that you just added on to or um well uh, the uh the last staff didn't do so much of the sprinting work um and to yeah well no fault to their own um you have to understand like you're kind of in this industry you're kind of at the mercy of what your uh coaches how they set the practices right right so there's a bunch of teams out there the old school method where they go you know, for three hour practices. Well, 
if I have a team and we have a three-hour practice every single day, the sprinting might be on the back burner for me because I need them to be have a higher training load to be able to withstand that volume for three hours and be able to run around. 100%. So that's where you change it to almost like, you know, 110s and 300s of that nature. So when people when people talk about other staff like that, you know, for me, just being on the inside, just kind of like, okay, I understand what they're saying, but at the same time, you're looking at how long they had to practice. And like, now you're trying to make sure the kids make it through practice without injury. How much control do you have over like drill selection in practice and volume in practice? Like, do you meet with the head coach and decide like, here's, you know, here's a red day, green day, yellow day, kind of like the Eagles or what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so for, for us, our staff is really cool. Um, and they're really understanding and like these coaches have been doing it for a long time. And getting a coach to change what he's been doing for a long time that made it successful and got him to TCU is a tall order. But all of these coaches have been open to doing it. So our first year in, I got them to go for a green, yellow, red day, right? Like we're talking about. And then to match what games. what is so people understand like what does green look like? So green will be a, a linear day for us. So you want to try and go fast, full speed in a straight line, right? So we'll go yeah. uh first and ten, second and long. Um our shot plays kickoff cover and punt cover so your coverage days where guys can run longer um a yellow day would be something more of change direction so we're thinking red zone we're thinking uh second third and short where you have to do just quick routes real quick um you're thinking return days because those are where guys have to make people miss and cut cut outside so uh then we go red which would just be walk through a purple is just one I put for TCU, and that's just our fast Friday. And then black would be game day for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. So they, they're pretty open to it. So as far as volume and drill selection, uh, I let them pick their own drills. I just give them themes. It's hard to go in and tell a coach has been doing it for a while that this is the exact volume you need to get, and these are the drills you need to be doing it there because – at the end of the day, they're the sport coach and I'm not, right? I can give them suggestions and I can say, hey, this is a theme. This is what I like to see and this is what we're aiming for today. Um, but if they want to change it, that's up to them. And then I'm on the back end, the mechanic that has to go in and fix fix it and make sure the guys are readily available the next day. So yeah. whether that's massages, recovery, whatever I can do to make sure they're good for the next day. And then from there, we go to staff meeting after practice. We look at all the numbers. And then we explain to them what they're where they need to be at and what they need to hit and try and get them closer there. But I mean, as you as you know, football is chaotic and these numbers are never like 100 yeah. percent accurate because you never know what's going to happen in any given play. So where do you put your green day in the week? So we'll go. Let's say Saturday game. Saturday game. We'll go Wednesday. So Monday's off. That'll be our. That'll be a lit day. Tuesday will be our lead in day. Right. So is that yellow? It's yellow, so we have a lead-in day, so it's not full speed, but still moving. Uh, then we'll go green, and then in that green day, if guys aren't getting their speeds, I know they're not going to get it, which for for us would be like the linebackers are hard because they're playing the box so much, right? So what's cool about it is Coach Gillespie, the defensive coordinator, allows me to take them during special teams, and since it's a kickoff day, we mimic kickoff. And what I do with them, and like they're trained enough to do this, is in and outs. You know, so we'll do a couple of in and outs or I'll just have them sprint to near hash or far hash, depending on who they are, because 
just knowing your players and know where they where how far they need to go to hit their eighty seven or ninety percent. How and and how did you like? What was that conversation like? Getting the coach, the defensive coordinator, like on board with that? Like, hey, coach, let me take these guys over here and go. <laughs> like, what did that look like? Did you get like, you know, kickback from that or? No, no, I mean, I mean, it, it's cool. So, uh, you have, I got with the staff meeting with Coach Cause, uh, and we were talking to him about the speeds. And you're looking at the numbers over a given amount of time. You're like, hey, these guys aren't hitting their speeds. We're at risk of them getting slower. And you explain to them the three to five days, which obviously none of them know about, right? So, the three to five days, if you're not sprinting within those three to five days, you're getting actually slower. Yeah. So then we go off the data, right? I think, I think it was you that might, might give this number, like. A given year, an average football player might lose five to seven percent of speed. Yeah, if they're not right. doing this. Um, yeah. So we, spent, yeah, I spit that. It, be, it could be, it could <laughs> be high. It could be extremely high. Yeah, I spit that that Les quote at them, and then that really opens their eyes, right? Um, and then on top of that, if you throw in and, and you tell them like this is injury prevention, it's not just like hey, I want to have a, I want to make sure these guys are fast. It's it's really injury pre- prevention for soft tissue injuries. I think it builds it back too. If if you guys didn't have any soft soft tissue injuries that made your guys miss any time, so I think that that builds in in the coaches and you know in your players more than anything. And I know you we when we were there, it was like it was guys were confident because you guys held them accountable. It was like every coach knew if somebody had plank plank pushes and how many they had, why they had them, and they did this many, and they still have this many. So. You know, I think that I think that that goes tenfold to build confidence on both sides. Um, yeah, you could you could tell you could see it in them. You know, and they ha- they they were definitely you know very firm on the okay, coach. This is how many I have left. You know, they they know it, which is yeah. rare. I mean, it it's good because you know it it's a culture of them buying in, and um, it's a, it took a man to get there, but now it's almost self governed by each position group mm-hmm. so they'll go down and grab someone and make sure he goes do- and does it and like they'll like their friends will hang out with him while he's doing it and just give him a hard time so it's not as bad you know yeah. um we used to make sure we used to have the screaming guys to jog on and off the field you know or just push pace push tempo and that's how we kind of quote unquote got our conditioning in um but now you don't have to say anything it's all like the older yeah. players and position group guys they're saying hey Jog back on the field, jog off. Even the staff drugs, like, oh my God, like, um, what's his name that came to get us from the stadium? He was walking and we were like, literally like out of breath by the time we got in the field house. Like, do you guys all move that fast? And then I saw all the staff jogging between everything. Like nobody walks. Is that is that normal or is that just that day? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you gotta think about or <laughs> it sounds kinda weird to say, but we're all living beings in a universe. Right, and if you look at atoms or you look at the universe and how everything's revolving, everything's always in motion, and it gives off a vibe and energy to everyone. And so, if I'm moving around quick and I have a tempo about me, people around me feel it. And then, if that person has it, then it starts to resonate and start building and building and building. Uh, so, what we do here is we like to have everyone just move at a flight pace in the weight room, just elbows ninety. It doesn't got to be a, a sprint, but it's got it can't be a walk. But that just helps build a little bit more energy. And then with the staff, we're moving around with a tempo that shows that we have something to get done. We have something to do. The players feed off of that. And we just keep building more energy based off that. Um, I love that. 
yeah, we're big on energy and vibes here. So when people say like no bad vibes or I don't want that bad vibe around me, it's really true here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you start letting that negative energy in, it just starts affecting everyone around you. Yeah. Max, yeah. Do you wear an Apple Watch every day? <laughs> no, I wear I wear a little garment. <laughs> How many steps do you get a day? Yeah, in the summer I was probably like pushing twenty thousand. Uh, right no. now, I'm probably at fifteen. Yeah, I'm at like combine season. I'm at fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Normally, I'm like every day after the day. We're like, okay, let's see. How many miles? <laughs> yeah, let me see real quick. Yeah, like this thing, this thing will beep at me, and I'll be like, "Okay, it's how many weight?" I was like, "Oh god." Yeah, no. So it. it was so apparent. Like you guys, like what we noticed the most was like your guys' sense of urgency and your guys' communication. It was like just a streamline of you know one coach to the other to the athletes, and like I said, you know, you guys had an agenda, and like I think that that keeps everybody on track and. We know this because I feel like me and Lance and the rest of our team, like we get along so well because everybody's just on on a quick pace. Even if, yeah. even if everything's timed out for the whole session, we could be perfectly on time, but it's still like it's a tempo that you want to create to kind of right. create that culture. Everything's tempo. Everything. Everything's tempo. Yeah. Right. Like you could see that in, in successful people all, all around and successful teams like when I was at the Eagles, I was at the Eagles like a week before I came to TCU or a week after. I can't remember, but either one, like I was like, it's the same, it's the same thing. And like you go to successful teams and you see it, and then you go to non-successful teams and you see the opposite. You see like they're lethargic, like they practice hard, but then the rest of the day they're they're lethargic or like they don't communicate well, they don't have a pace, they don't have a tempo, or like they just don't, you know, they don't have that vibe about them. Like yeah, like when I was at TCU, I was like, I need to literally tie my shoes a little tighter, just to like, just in case I need to go that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we tell our guys, funny. we tell our guys, we want our guys to burn hot, right? So when they're in the room, you should feel it. When they leave, you should feel there's a change. And that's the type of guys that uh, we really want to be around. And like the kind of culture we're building here is like when they get here, everyone feels it. When they leave, you know, it's a completely different environment when football's not around. Yeah, uh, and the guys have just done a really good job. I think they've been really. I, I can't praise them enough for how much they've bought in and like police themselves and got to this point because really they understand like we can't do anything on the field for them. At the end of the day, it's 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 up to them. So they're setting the standard of what they want the team to be and how they want their team to go and how they're responsible they want everyone to be. You know, and uh, I've never been. I've, I've never been around more of an actual team than this team right here. Yeah. Like just genuine, like caring and love for each other. And like, they'll get on each other, but it's because they actually really care for that person and for the team. And then they'll come back and like have a normal conversation with them after they bark at them a little bit. Yeah. Facts. Facts. So I love it. Yeah. Yep. So are you going to win? <laughs> I, think, I think I think it's gonna be a good game. I think uh, they're gonna come out swinging, you know. Um, yeah, and we're we've trailed in a lot of games, so I think that's nothing new to us. Um, if you if you guys watching our games, it's, it's funny. None of our guys ever stress about anything. Yeah. Um, which it stresses me out that they're not stressing. I'm like, dude, I, you know, yeah. but I have to I have to play it calm. But they do a good job not stressing. I think that it's. If we're within arm's distance, we can give a knockout blow. Facts. Talk to me about, um, I know we're watching the fight on Saturday, but talk to me about boxing and the environment. Like, 
with cause and, and everything like that because yeah when i was in there and i saw the boxing on the screen i'm like what's going on here like you know i'm the biggest boxing fan i know i know and that's that's why i had to talk about it so we've been telling you guys that it's a every game is a round and you just got to win your rounds right and at the end of the season you can go look back and see if you if you won the season or not by how many rounds you won so if we're looking at the early rounds okay that's where you're starting to put it together feeling each other out right the mid round starts to get a little bit you know more thick and then you start talking about the late rounds in november people only remember what you do in november just like in fights people want to remember those deep rounds when they're actually going at it right so we talk about that and we talk about winning each round every time is a new round you already done that round get past it recover from it you know it's us sitting down and get back to it you have your quarter man that's us and your coach is telling you a new strategy go back out and start punching again mm. we also put them up on the monitors which is pretty cool it's uh a coach cosby he's been doing it man as long as i can remember and it's different fights from different eras and what you're really looking at yeah what you're really looking at is how people hit and move and respond because you gotta know in every game it's not going to go the way you want you're going to get punched at some point and it's how you come back and dance through it right and it's how you fight your way out of it um and then you gotta look at the body movement i know coach cause is like more poetic when he talks about that i am but, no it's good yeah. but if you really can compare that with what we're doing on the field right and keeping people at arm's distance making sure like we get enough jabs and body blows. Um, I think yeah, one of our guys interviewed uh, Wes Harris after the game, and they were talking to him about like what we were talking about on the sidelines, just body blows. Keep giving body blows, body blows, body blows. At some point, they're going to break. Or you start using your jab, right? Or misdeception. Um, you know, there's a lot of things teams put out there, but is it real? Yeah. You know, Thanks. that's your mis misperception. We're trying to fake you with something. Even on the field, we'll try to fake you out with something. That's a misperception. You have little jabs, keep moving back and forth on, on the field. Those are just jabs until you find that one haymaker where you take off for like 70 yards. Or if you're doing body blows of runs, at some point, they're going to get tired and break down. But it's who can manage those body blows the best. And then, <laughs> and then I know you guys don't like it, but that's where nutrition goes back in. There we go. No, I just like, I love, I love the nutrition, but you guys are so humble, man. It was like, no, but amazing. You got you got to think about it. Like, um, it sounds so simple, and yet it's so hard. And that and that's the that's the art of it. Because I'm gonna steal RJ's like line here, but you can go get a massage or go see a chiropractor. You immediately feel better. You eat well for one day, a full day. You eat well, you won't feel anything, but it's delayed gratification later on. Facts, and that's where. That's where we got to get the guys that, you know, and our guys have done really good about it. They don't, they don't look at food anymore as like something to enjoy so much, but it's something that they need. Obviously, this guy's going to, there's going to be picky guys about what they eat, but they understand that, you know, I have to eat this to maintain my energy levels to make sure my body weight doesn't drop because my body weight drops, my power and speed go. If my power and speed go, I spend more time on the ground, dense injuries. Yeah. Right. And then, so you got to think about, you ask them like where they were sometimes last year. Like if you ask like where their body weight was last year, it's nowhere near now. And they say, I've never felt this good this late in the season. Well, there's a reason for that. Right. For sure. And part of that is food. And like, we do an amazing job here in nutrition. Um, it's probably the thing we spend the most money on. And, and people don't believe that in like a water bottle, as simple as carrying a water bottle around, you guys talk about accountability. 
if you don't have your water bottle, you're not accountable. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also a check, right? So are you all here? Are you mentally like, are you too tired? If you don't have it on you, that means you're just going to start forgetting other things. If you don't have your water bottle, you know, CC and then Monday, we're doing that. <laughs> right. Take it, write that down. We're doing no, Monday. How you put it Don't bring your water bottle. Don't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about and, it, like, and we're breathing and we're breathing. Oh yeah. But I mean, think about it. Then it's like, yeah. now, you know, you have that water around with you. So now you're always trying to hydrate. And if I can hydrate more, it kind of flushes all the other crap out of my body that I might be messing around with or like feeding, you know? Facts. Like now that I didn't give them any time to slip, it was like, okay, any shake that's still here that has their name on it, right? You can't just please notice. Like it has their name on. And if they didn't take it, like that's the problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, um, and, and that's the biggest part is you guys saw like right after practice, they were screaming nutrition and, and trying to start recovery now. And uh, even our, our fueling station uh, girls know how important nutrition is and like when it starts. It starts immediately when you're done. And again, it's just like a round. So you need to micro, micro it down so that each practice is a round, you know? And like I have to prepare my body for the next round, which is that next day. And I just keep going. If I just put my mindset in that same cycle, at the end of the day, when I look up, I'll stacked all the rounds up. Yeah. I'm just going to keep taking notes. just going to keep taking notes over here. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question. Cause I know you got to go soon. Um, no, man, I'm, I'm having fun. You guys tell me what I have to get off. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Say no more then. Um, but how did you get to this point? Cause obviously like I'm learning for a while, um, quickly go through your pathway and like how do you got to where you're at? But also I want to kind of know like, how you got trust from co- other coaches to to run everything and to change practice and to manipulate. Like, I mean, I've worked in college football now for, this is my third year, and I know how hard it is, like, fighting with coaches about simple things. Like, you know what I'm saying? So how did you do that? You make it seem so easy. How, what's your path look like? Uh, so really, I mean, obviously when we met, we, met, we were both training for the NFL. Um, yeah. I got a short stint with the Vikings and EFL than ASL, which that's crazy. Um, then I went back to Prolific, uh, you know, with Ryan and, and Greg and interned there for a while. After that, I was fortunate enough to have a buddy that got on at Baylor with Coach Kazakhzadi. He brought me in as a as a intern um, and I put my dues in there um, and I kind of showed a little bit of work there. Um, a little bit of talent, I probably was raw as shit and <laughs> you know what I mean? But then I, I just stacked up jobs. I got a position after that at an NAI. After that, got to Arkansas State where Coach Cause you were, actually- You were ahead at, you were ahead at- um, Baker University. In a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But didn't you play there? Yeah, so that was my alma mater. So that was my in there. Um, yeah. So I was also a receivers coach, which actually, part of being the receivers coach actually really helped me out in learning what coaches are actually looking for. Um, and then how- receivers and skill players actually move you know because of all the film you have to watch it's it's pretty much like the film you watch when it comes to running and like other skill athletes right. where you're watching them i did that unknowingly just watching them is getting better at running mechanics and stuff that way then obviously i get to arkansas state again with with jake miller uh coach cause just left that there so i'm still in that loop with him get to cal berkeley with brian johnson we link back up you know, um, I'm always picking your brain. So a part of the reason I'm here is because of you. 
um, you know, just picking up knowledge along the way. Kaz has an opening at TCU and guys I've worked with in the past plugged me hard. Um, you know, my boy Eli, Jake, um, Griff at the Rams all plugged me hard. He gave me a little quick interview, you know, and then said, yeah, let's go. So I came down here, didn't have a contract or anything, just showed up, started working. Um, and then Coach Kaz is kind of a rebel type guy where if he sees you're passionate about something, he'll let you pursue it. So when we first got here, I was kind of on a short leash. Um, he's, he knew, because I knew what he liked to do in the past, so I just kind of stuck to that. And then as he felt more comfortable with my programming, he let me go further and further. And then I started expanding on everything and, and opening up to everything I've learned from from you and all the path coaches and, and all the clinics I've been to and showed him what we could do here. And he just let me take the range from there. Um, That's crazy. We're still working on getting like down to a T of like what practice should look like. You know, I give him the themes and everything, but we're trying to refine it. And I think this next season I'll be able to refine it even more because our coaches are so bought in. Man. Well, obviously you guys are in the national championship. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, how do you not be bought in? It's yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. It's funny. Um, it's, it's cool to think about, bro. Nah, it's dope. Like, final question. Um, like, what motivates you? Like, why do you, why do you want to be, like, doing what you're doing? Like, why do you do it? You know, uh, I ask myself that question a lot. And I think that there's two answers for me. One is selfish, and then, and then the other one is, is unselfish. The selfish reason is that I want to be known as one, like, the best in the collegiate field at what I do. Well, that's you know? done. So, so now what? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm you already, not, you already I'm, did that. I'm not up there with Cam yet, you know. So I mean, I need to keep pushing and guys like that. Um, I, I look up to them and like guys like you. Like obviously, Cam is brilliant. I know, Man, dude. Yeah, and like guys like you, I'll, I want to be like on your level with everything we're doing. Um, that's the selfish reason. The other reason, but you're on, you're on you're on you're on my you're my guest. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to get on your level. No, no. Way. I'm here taking uh, notes on breathing and everything in the universe. <laughs> it's all in here. No, but the, uh, the unselfish reason is, uh, you know, I want to stand 10 toes down um, at the end of my life and be like, I helped X amount of athletes become better people and chase their dream, right? I just want to help them become like just better humans and then put them in it area where they can take that and succeed anywhere um whether it's their dreams go to the nfl or whatever it is i want to always help back there and just teach them help teach them life lessons i know other avenues can help get me there but i love what i'm doing with speed and then i just love working with these athletes and, and making sure that you know they're going to be great for society and just great humans overall yeah not still i love that bro yeah we're super inspired like obviously like I, I've been telling people all year that TCU is going to win the national championship, and they're like, "Where, where is TCU? Like, what is, what is TCU?" Bro, they're like, yeah. I'm like, just trust me, just, just follow. And um, you know, I'm super grateful that we got a chance to see it firsthand, and and also you guys are going to be here in LA, so we'll get to catch up this weekend. And then we have a player that's coming to us, which is awesome. So it's just like, it's just crazy. I'm excited for next year, man. I, I really want to see what you guys do. Oh, it's like, man, speaking of next year, bro, great. I'm so happy you said it. I'm sorry I'm like taking your time. Uh, no, we're, go. We're building a new human performance center, right? So it's already out there. 
we're getting more steam for it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to have everything you need to recover, everything you could possibly think of. Um, anything that LeBron might have, we're going to have it maybe tenfold. But the cool part where I want to get you guys involved is we're going to have a speed lab made. And people are saying that we want it. TCU wants to be uh, the speed capital of not just Texas, but the United States. So let's go. Yeah, I mean, once it's built, man, or even in the building process, I want to make sure you guys get it hands on, get take a look at it, and check it out, and then help us out with it. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to be your assistant, bro. I'm <laughs> trying to be your assistant. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm there. I'm at TCU. I'm at. I'm. You know how everyone's uh, hopping on the Colorado thing? Like, I'm hopping in the. <laughs> I'm hopping in the portal, CC. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm. In, I'm. In, I'm in, I'm saying, man. I'm saying, like, I'm in the, I'm in the portal. I think we hear pops up moss, like you know. I mean, Texas already gets like some of the best like track athletes for sure in the country, and then building a speed lab here and the things like we're still growing on and doing, and then having people like you that want to come around and hang out the facility is going to just take this to another level. I don't. Where's Where's my little TCU hat? Have committed. <laughs> With, how do you do the horn frog thing? How do y'all do it? Oh man, it's like see. You know the Trojans? You just bend yeah, it a little bit. This, yeah, yeah, it's bend yeah, it. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> post this. Drew, if you're listening, post this tomorrow on, on my Instagram. But yeah, bro, I appreciate you, man. This was awesome. Probably have to dance yeah, the week now. So send me an invoice or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. No. Uh, but if, if this, this part doesn't make you, just make sure I don't talk to you because I know I ramble. So help me out. <laughs> this is going to be the most most listened podcast ever on on my channel not no, i mean uh like dude, I'm, I'm blessed that like you chose me like i don't know if i'm your first guest or what but dude bled yeah yeah you, you actually are you're actually that's are. dude and like that's like to me that's like such a big deal like i mean <laughs> i know like we're boys but like that's such a big deal for me um Probably like not even just put my name out there not even just put my name out there but just like our friendship just that's huge for me bro facts bro well We'll be back out there soon. Oh, I'll see you on Saturday, so I don't know why I'm tripping. Being all emotional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, no, you guys need to come out. Uh, I know you guys are busy all winter. Um, but then summer, I don't know what you guys have. But if you guys are in Texas, there's fine through. Just pop through. Thank you for listening to the Less Following Podcast. If you do me two massive favors. First, please rate the podcast and give it five stars if you enjoyed. If you didn't enjoy it, please still give me five stars. <laughs> Second, please share this podcast with another coach, an athlete, or a parent who wants to learn how speed is developed. Thanks again for listening and check out the podcast description to learn more.